0: Katie, this is Classical Black Podcast.
1: Where we talk all things classical music and being black in the profession. With
0: trap beats playing in the background. Hey y'all. Yeah.
1: This is technically 100 episode 150 something. And when I tell you every time I say that intro, I'm wondering if I'm going to talk over Katie cuz I'm like it's the 160th time I've done it but I don't remember this my lines.
0: What's the name of the show? What
1: comes next? Right, what's my name? Like, half, <laughs> half my line is my name. How can how, how I can't remember it? But whatever. Um, anyway, welcome, you guys. Um, some of y'all may know we're the hosts of Classically Black Podcast. We're doing something a little bit different today because, as you know, the, the show drags on and on and on. Our average, <laughs> our average episode length is about an hour and 45 minutes, which we don't have today. So, uh, luckily for y'all, we're going to do kind of um, – a mix you know like a mix of things that we usually do on the show we usually have like a new segment of black excellence all that we kind of just going to do like the topic and then Katie gonna do her thing with her intermission you know how Katie does her creativity her mind the time and um and then we're going to finish up with the second half of the topic so
0: yeah that's today let's get into it okay so I know it says like on the program it just says like Classy black live or whatever but we are going to be talking today about how the Black Lives Matter movement should have affected your program. So let's get into it. So we all know what happened last year. It was very, very terrible. We had a lot of racial uprisings and a subsequent racial um, reckoning that pressured classical music organizations to consider how the inner workings of their institutions work against DEI, even though like they'd be like, oh, let's do DEI. Like, no. Nah. Um, it's really it really came from the pressure of their peers because we've had these conversations so many times. Black people get killed literally every day. And it's never been a topic of conversation until like LA Phil posted something and CSO posted something. It's like, oh, we gotta post something too. So it's mm-hmm. definitely came from like the pressure of peers in the um, and also not just in classical music, but just in at yeah. large. Like literally everyone right. was doing something, posting black squares or like, "What are we gonna do next?" You know. Right. Um, so we were gonna talk a little bit about how like that's ex- extremely problematic. Um, and apart from several music, um, several partic- apart from participating in several classical music organizations, myself, um, really doing Classically black made me realize like how much just. Organization as a whole, like h- how much is institution as a whole, Niallie, really feel? I'm talking about like classical music as a whole really hates change, like, really hates change. I mean, you think about it like, if I asked for a show of hands, if you play violin, how many of y'all play go and Rhodey? How many people learn they twinkle variations? Like we like to see things happen exactly the way they are. Every high school orchestra is gonna play simple symphony, every every middle school orchestra, when you're trying to learn E minor, you're gonna play Dragon Hunter. Like literally, we do <laughs> it this way, you know? <laughs> and so when we start, when we start talking about like how this might be incredibly problematic, people get a little bit um, Funny about it, but when the pressure comes, it's like, okay, like, what can we do to keep everything exactly the same but make it look like change? And classically black really ex- exposed me to that idea because we're what we see a lot of, and what's really tiring is cosmetic changes to a crumbling foundation. Um, and we're gonna talk about uh, that as well. So, yeah, ooh, like not
1: cosmetic changes to a crumbling foundation. Yeah, like, like Katie. It- I feel like, especially because, like, during all of this, this was my last year of school. We were both in school, like, during this past – I I mean, technically. You're literally in school right now, getting artist diploma. Right, right. So, not her not remembering. It's the middle of the semester, but
0: (laughs) – I go from day to day. It's Saturday. We go to school on Monday. Okay. (laughs) Okay. Day to day. Um,
1: But kind of being in that environment, yeah, definitely being in school, being, you know, having all of these like affiliations with different classical music organizations and then coming to do Classically Black, it really, it definitely um, puts things into perspective in terms of the contrast. Because Classically Black was definitely, I mean, we're not gonna go do the whole spiel about how we started and everything, but it definitely was born of um, a lack of representation, a lack of community that we saw uh, for black people in classical music. So we thought this topic would be uh, perfect for us to um, to kind of talk about. Um, And kind of what I think Katie was getting at talking about, like, how people, a lot of people in this industry really hate change is that we sort of wait for, like, calamity to happen. Like, it's like the roof got to be crumbling, like she said. Like, it it just got to be a disaster. Um, Because, like, we all saw that happen this year. Like, I feel like, I feel like... In our circles of black musicians, we've had a lot of these conversations before, but the issue, and I'll get into that later, is that a lot of us are not even in the position um, to be able to change these things from where we are. Because at the end of the day, your bills gotta get paid X, Y, Z. You know, like you have you have to participate in things as they, um, kind of as they exist. Um so now that we have these conversations on a larger scale, it's like, yeah, it's great that we're, you know, we're talking about it, but also you can't expect people to ignore how we got here. It literally took they took so much pressure, it took so much disaster, chaos, and tragedy for us to even get here. Um, and the reason why that's not effective is because there's no momentum, mm-hmm. like at all. Like because it's like very much like yeah, it's, it can be a catalyst for change, but it's like when you're kind of forced into and backed into a corner, it's very much at, th- you're very much like in that moment, mm-hmm. you know, um, and it's not
0: necessarily, um, it's not necessarily lasting change. Um and you have s- people saying like, Oh well, you know, we'll be on the other side of this. On the other side of what? Right. Next week? <laughs> Somebody else gets killed, you know what I'm saying? Like right. what are we on the other side of?
1: Exactly. Like not hundreds of years of this like like you said, it's a routine. Mm-hmm. And we still playing stuff from like seventeen, whatever. And it's like, yeah, there there's like yeah, we're we're doing that and I feel like people kinda have it in their head that it's just like, oh, it's just great music, but it's like they're that is kind of foreshadowing to that whole routine thing mm-hmm. that we that we really get into with classical music it's so so easy for us to fall back um into the norm um after things like this happen so it's really important i think that that doesn't happen after I, I mean people be saying like after this pandemic we don't know when it's it's, it's not giving it's giving yeah. very
0: much 2024 so. right so <laughs> <laughs>
1: But, you know we're gonna say we' gonna we we're gonna get into it we're gonna we're gonna kind of walk through um basically you know like what we've taken away from this, kind of what we've seen um and what we would like to see mm-hmm. um in terms of like how we can actually you know take the lessons from this past year, take the lessons from the Black Lives Matter movement, especially because us being black women in classical music um, and really having a very unapologetic stance on that, a very unapologetic position in terms of like who we advocate for, I think this was kind of the perfect subject for us to get into, so.
0: Okay, so we basically broke it up into like basically the causes, like of what like what should have happened in response and then the effect of those causes? And if that's confusing, like don't worry, we're gonna get into it. Okay. Um, so the first thing is programming. Now, if we were speaking to like orchestral personnel um, this will be a completely different conversation, but I know a lot of people are educators in here, so let's talk about it because you know I have my public school days. So let's 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 get into right. it. Well, hold on, Katie's being modest. Don't because Katie has a the bachelor's. The time she has a. You remember know, when but, Emily came up here and told us? But you remember when Emily told us that? But we, had, but we can. But you we can just go, go when, into. But do you Katie.
1: remember? <laughs> <laughs> Katie has a bachelor's in music education, and then she got a double master's degree from the Eastman School of Music in viola performance and music education. Let's give it up for Katie! <laughs> So so she knows what she's talking about. I'm just here for decoration. (laughs)
0: So anyway, as you were saying. Okay. So... I I kind of glossed over it a little bit um, a couple minutes ago about, like, the music we play because I understand, like, there's a little, there's a reason why we play what we play when it comes to teaching our students. I have students myself. Like, there's, certain things just work. Like, you want to teach, you want to teach, what's it called, staccato bowing, hook bowing, you're going to do, like, the Bach thing. If you want to teach bow distribution, Suzuki variation, there's literally reasons for everything that we do. But I think it's time for us to take a better look at, like, the, the things we're programming because we want to make it more inclusive like for real and i don't mean like okay so we're gonna do a little jazz moment so like let's like do it one day like in mm, class right. and spice then, it up yeah and yeah. Then we could do a little jazz warm-up we could yeah. put like a hip-hop beat while we do d major like i don't mean that mm, yeah. i mean like actually um seeking out things in challenging uh challenging the curriculum that we have, because it really starts from there. Like there's, There must be change in classical music at every single facet of classical music. And I feel like that's what people don't realize, especially people who are in positions of, of making power for change, that it has to happen at every single facet. So when we're teaching our students, when we're starting them, like it, it really starts um, from there. And I know there's always, a, there's the argument of, you know, like what composers are we playing? Like, oh, well, my fourth graders can't play Adolphus Hair Celebration, and you know, I don't know if my fifth graders like it literally no fifth grader in America can play a William Grant Still Symphony. So that, it is, takes us like getting creative and figuring out like what can we do. So, for example, um, I teach in the LSM Inspired program rock music, uh, in Rochester, Il- uh, Illinois. You hear me? <laughs> Rochester, in Rochester, New York. Like you said, it's Saturday, program starts on Monday, so. <laughs> right. So I teach an the Inspired program of rock music under the direction of Dr. Armin Hall. And uh, one of the courses that we that I advocated for was a black music, a black composer's course. And so the students that were in there had like some violins, some cellos and violas. I don't know. There, there I can think of some pieces actually, but um, I got creative. So Rachel Barton Pine does have those books, that book of duets, and we can talk about that's another topic, topic. But and so I just took them and I rearranged them. Like we all we all did music composition classes in undergrad. We all had to take music theory lots and lots of music theory. Like girl, you know how to do something without some parallel fits, you know what I'm saying? Like mm-hmm. go over there. You don't <laughs> even have to buy something. You really could use what's that thing called? Um, I must be. No, I'm talking about, not Finale, because who's going to pay for Finale? Oh, the, oh um, Muse score? See? Yeah, right, Why? the free one. Why have to because buy anything? I'm not buying no Sibelius. It's right. So, <laughs> <laughs> oh, it's okay. like, it really is, it's not It's not really difficult to do. You just have to have, like, the the drive to do it. And then when it comes to, like, when we get to higher level students, it's like, okay, well, it seems like it almost breaks off because there's, like, really difficult pieces written by black composers. But... If your if you're high school players are playing simple symphony, if they're playing Holberg Suite, if they're playing um, Tchaikovsky's ser- Serenade, they can play um, four novel ent- let in by uh, Sammy Coleridge-Taylor. They can play Florence Price Adoration. Honestly speaking, your eighth graders could probably play Florence Price Adoration. Um, and also Celebration, the rhythm is kind of, you know. <laughs> A little bit much but you know those are just like examples and those are examples off the dome like I didn't even like go on IMSLP I didn't even go on nobody's google I literally was like hmm I wonder what and it's because I guess maybe I'm positioned differently because I'm I actively seek out um black composers to play like even on my on my own recitals and stuff like that but it's like but it's like um (laughs) literally off the dome like that's what I came up with and also like everybody does a chamber music unit like Walkie. Let me not say that right here. Adolphus Hale Stork. She literally has a nickname for him. He's, He's going to send a cease and desist. Yeah. That's fine. <laughs> um, <laughs> Adolphus Taylor has a lot of approachable chamber music um, as well as Sammy Coleridge Taylor, so it's really not even about that. And then, so when we step away from them, like, well, mm, I don't really know, like, what else I could program. We also have this, one of the things in this movement is going to be challenging what your idea of classical music is. Like, we have an extremely European indoctrined system here in America where we negate all of our American classical music. So jazz is an American classical music, as well as uh, plenty of American composers who have those things. So, if you're, you can have like a jazz, and not even a jazz unit, because that's also like it's something that's like tucked away. Mm-hmm. But, like, um, Dream a Little Bit, Dream of Me by Ella Fitzgerald is definitely in the key of C minor. Like, your kids could play that. Like, and don't even have no A flat in there or anything. Like, <laughs> you can <laughs> like rearrange it so your students could do it. Like, exploring and cha- uh, challenging like what you think classical music means, especially when we're, we're teaching in America. Um, and then also, uh, having your students know, like, who is who in classical music. So when you have, like, opportunities for guest artists, like, okay, boom. So I went to Armin last year, and I was like, Armin. This was before, like, the world started ending. And I was like, Armin, bet. Like, what if Caitlin Edwards came here for a weekend, and she did, like, some improv stuff because she does improv, and then she... Um, we did like a chamber music thing because my kids were working on that uh coleridge taylor quintet thing i'm like she could play first violin like it could be a whole little thing it could be so cute and he was he was chewing on it because there's money there but it's like redefining what a guest artist is so that your students know that people are in this field that look like them especially like for me i'm really like really jazzed about what i saw earlier today because all of these yellow students like are in a different community than I was. Like when I was in in high school orchestra, I was finding for my life. I was in symphony orchestra, a hundred piece orchestra, all white, and it was me. You know what I'm saying? Oh. And, you know I, and I didn't because it was so normal, like especially like in high school because I was in AP classes and stuff like that. Like I was always separated, and then then they spread out the black kids too. So we now all in the same class. So. Um, it was just so normal to me and I saw it today I'm like these kids don't will not have that experience like they're around people that look like them but also it starts early like getting a guest artist that there's so I can name so many people Melissa White, Kaylin Edwards, Jen Arnold like there's so Jessica McJunkin so many people that could come and and work with your students that, that give them a better perception of what classical music is so they don't have to like pull it apart and like put it back together on their own like later on right because that comes that can come super super late cuz for me that mm-hmm. came literally
1: through classic black like honestly if you listen to something within the first 50 episodes of classic black the things that we were choosing for like piece of the week you have a piece of the week at the end the things that we were that we were choosing for piece of the week versus now mm-hmm. is like it's so drastically different because People would come up to us and be like, you know, oh my gosh, like I feel seen by classical black, oh my god, I learned XYZ. And then they kinda realize that, like, yeah, we're having these conversations about um about representation um for black people in classical music on the mics and everything. But at the end of the day, Katie and I both have a conservatory education. Mm-hmm. You know, and so we were we were both in that <laughs> in that environment that um that we were sort of talking about needs to change. And so that kind of made me and made both of us kind of look inward and be like, okay, so how have I been, you know, contributing to this mm-hmm. and how have um, how have these ideas kind of permeated the way I look at, at classical music? Because I've really, um, I've definitely like branched out and had to kind of mm-hmm. unpack that and, and re-put it together um, during my college years, mm-hmm. um, which the size of those tuition checks I should not have had to be doing that on my own Mm -hmm. time but you know that's neither here nor there it's over now but um what I wanted to say about kind of what you were talking about um about expanding how you think about classical music I am very much like Katie knows this I'm very much like I like to blur the lines of genre I'm very into genre theory I'm very interested about how we think about genres and because I think most people think that uh, genre is used to categorize and I really just think you're lying to yourself if you think that's the only purpose of it because there are so many examples in classical music actually that a genre has been used to um to keep black people out of the conversation an example I always use I can use um examples in in multiple genres Anyway, um, in multiple genres, and one in classical music um, that I like to use is when, you know, I'm sure everyone here at has at least heard of Scott Joplin. If you haven't, I'm sure you've heard The Entertainer. Um, he was a ragtime uh, composer, and he wrote an opera called Tree Manisha. You should look it up. It's very good. And when he wrote this opera, everybody was like, oh, he, he wrote this ragtime opera. Oh, my goodness. I'm like, there's no ragtime in the opera. He just wrote an opera. But it's like, it's it's they sort of have to create this sort of like pocket of like, Okay, well he over there, we doing opera over here, he doing ragtime opera over there. Like, mm-hmm. and, you know, it's there's so many we get that in gospel music with contemporary gospel and then it was getting a little too close to rap, so then it was urban contemporary mm-hmm. gospel. And so like, <laughs> it's like you can literally uh you can literally see it happen with Tyler, of the Creator when when he won the best rap album for Igor and he was like literally like seven different genres on this album. Mm-hmm. Why, you know, mm-hmm. why is it a rap album? So that's how I feel about genre. and I feel like a lot of like like Katie said, a lot of people need to question that, and that kind of brings me into um sort of the i mean we're we're talking to a room of educators here and um and students, but it kind of brings um into the conversation who is sort of interfacing with students um and what's important um in terms of like faculty and like hiring practices and things like that when it comes to uh when it comes to incorporating these ideas and these changes into the program because I feel like, you know, we, we talk a lot about representation and um, there was that chart going around where it was like, oh, this is what representation looks like in a lot of companies. And it was like the pyramid and it was like all the black people's at the bottom, all the black people, what do you say, making copies, mm-hmm. you know, mm-hmm. and answering to somebody. And I feel like that is um, that is one problem. One problem is, first of all, the amount of people that we have. And then it's where they are in the organization. Are they giving any sort of agency um to make uh to make decisions that were actually uh, have a lasting impact? Um and third is also uh the mindset because um man, I mean, you know, I hate to, you know I hate to say this but like go ahead, what are we'll you saying? You know, um I, I just felt like, you know, not everybody is there yet. Like I said, we're, we're still learning too. Um, and so that, that's also really, um, really, really important when you're kind of like building out, uh, building out these organizations. It's like, yeah, it's really, really great to have opportunities for your employees to grow, to have professional development, X, Y, Z, but it's like, you also have to have people in your corner that are willing to, to do that work and who at least, at the very least, have the foresight to see that that's important. You know? Like I mean, I
0: feel like there's some things that, like, professional development cannot fix. And I feel like that's awesome.
1: <laughs> I mean, yeah, that's very, very true. Yeah. There's just some things that just, like, I remember having this conversation. I'm not going to put his business out there, who I was talking to. But having this conversation um, about an orchestra, because this orchestra did a side-by-side with an El system inspired program. And the looks on their faces was giving very much, we hate this and we don't want to be here. And it's like... Kids can feel that, yeah I they can they notice that you roll your eyes every time they make a shift, mm-hmm. like you know instead of actually engaging with them, I'm like that is the that is the importance of first of all, you know really putting in the care with who you're interfacing with, even if you're even if we're not even talking about like the teachers people who work there, but we're talking about guest artists mm-hmm. talking about who who uh who students are interfacing with mm-hmm. because I feel like that was very i wasn't there at that i know you were and it was very difficult even for me to even hear about that
0: you know if you kid. got kids all up in the back and like yeah I just, and then you don't even send like the music director to do it I, that's all that's so tacky to me i hate when people do that like and i understand like you know i'm I'm a fellow with the memphis symphony i understand like there's some there's some things that you know bob is great there's some things bob can't go to and also there is an s- assistant conductor for a reason but if you hiring out If you hiring out people, like, where's your assistant conductor at? You know what I'm saying? Like, that's where it kind of breaks down for me, Mm -mm. you know. Yeah, so I just feel like it's very important that, like, I I was – like
1: I was saying, I was talking to someone kind of about that experience, and it was like, well, you know, you know, you kind of just – you get people into the organization, mm. and then you fix. It. And I'm like, or you could just hire people that actually care about this. Mm-hmm. Like, <laughs> it's really not like because there are people. We got a whole full room full of people who care about it, mm-hmm. right here. Who need a job? Like, <laughs> come
2: on. <laughs> like,
0: <laughs> yeah. Mm. <laughs> um, and another thing is the community at large, and um, so th- I know this looks different, like for or- for orchestras, because it's like. They're trying to figure out, like, how can we get more people to come to our concert, blase, squase. But um, when we talk about, like, middle school orchestra concerts, like, it's a little bit different because it's, like, you, your audience is your kids' par- parents. You know what yeah. I'm saying? But also, um, so there's – and there's obvious reasons why parents like, – we don't have to get into that. I feel like we're all pretty aware there's obvious reasons why parents don't come to concerts. They got multiple kids at home. They worked a long day. They don't want to hear dragon dances. Like, there's a lot of reasons. Um, <laughs> <laughs> there's a lot of reasons why. Um, but even when we when we peel those um, reasons back, it's like I feel like we need to dive deeper into like why parents might not be coming, or why other people in the organizations might might not be coming. Why are people in the community not aware of the work that you're doing in the community? Um, and how can you really? Um, and engage with them. And then also, um, how are your how are your students engaging in your program? Like you're making, you're pl- they're playing this music and it's like, oh, well, they're just here happy to play, but it's not really like, I would have loved, like when I was like 12 year old Katie, I would have loved to play something by a black composer, that would have been really, really cool. And given that agency to be like, this is important. You know mm-hmm. what I'm saying? Um, And then also, like, how are you engaging with students that are outside of your program so they know what's going on? You know, that should have been, like, a huge, like, red flag. Okay, what can we do to get more students, more diverse students to come into our program? And it's, like, there's really easy things. I just feel like people just don't care to do. It's, like, it's Halloween spooky season right now. Like, you really could do, like, you a little haunted house. We used to do this thing at ISU. Uh, sorry, that's sorry. It's my undergrad. We used to do this thing where like our music building looked like a castle, so it just kind of sold itself. But we uh, would like people. We would dress up and like be in different studios. And like when you when you trick or treat mm-hmm. on the studio door, like it opens up, you play like a little like little something, oh, like and you give them cute. candy or stickers or something like that. It's like it really like you could do like narrative performances. Like there's so many things that you can do just to engage in the community more. So it's not just like a pillar on a hill, like you you know because I mean. This is a point I want to make later, but, like, the thing, what I've realized about classical music is I feel like they, classical music organizations feel like they can just fix themselves. People should just respect the art. They should respect classical music. We don't got to, we don't have to fundraise. We don't have to do none of that. All we got to do is just be here, play Beethoven and 5, and the right. girl's going to come, you right. know, and it's like, so anything, <laughs> anything outside of that is, like, well, we did this, and, like, we're not selling tickets, and it's, like, the answers be, like, right there. It'd be written in seven languages. <laughs> It'd be drawn out in pictures. It's, like, because, like, you don't want to do, like, um, you want you don't want to do anything, like, extra to, mm-hmm. to help draw in people in the community because the community is probably, like, the most important part of this entire thing. You want kids to be at your stuff. You want people to be happy and all that other stuff. So, yeah, I feel like, especially – thinking about like
1: the culture that this has been something that I've kind of thought about recently um, is like the culture of like these concerts and it's especially because like if we're talking about you know uh, programs where you might have a lot of black and brown kids and their their parents are coming into this environment like to support their kids but you obviously you know you kind of want um, them to actually enjoy mm-hmm. being there beyond the fact that their kid is on stage yeah
3: um,
1: and I mean we both grew up in church, and it's you know th- there's just a, a certain energy to the experience of like of like <coughs> going to see black music that mm-hmm. I feel like um, would would like really really bridge the gap. Like I know the Decomposed Ensemble in um, in Chicago um, does concerts where like you can not call out, you can clap, you can you know mm-hmm. do things like that, and. Um, I think that even even people who have students in this in these programs they they pick up on things like that. Like I will never forget I actually just was talking to my grandma the other day. I took a friend of mine who's not a classical musician to a classical music concert, promptly fell asleep. Um like <laughs> <laughs> like about 5 minutes into Don Juan. I'm like they're blaring. How are you asleep? <laughs> but, you know, whatever. Um and I was talking to my grandma about this and of course my grandma's been to plenty of classical music concerts really solely because of me. And she was like, you know, every concert I go to, like just in general, she's like, usually I'm used to people up and like they're dancing. And she's like, when I go to classical music concert, I just look around like, like, ain't nobody gonna ever they happy to be here. (laughs) I was like, (laughs) I was like, okay. And I was like that, I was like, okay funny but also like dang your perception is that nobody is happy to be here Mm -hmm. and it's like I feel like especially when you think about things that bring that invite people in and um and bring communities together Mm -hmm. it's like I mean communities come Come together over all kinds of things, but obviously you want it to be something positive. And I mm-hmm. think that um, kind of respecting and acknowledging the different types of expression that different communities have, different cultures mm-hmm. have, um, is really important. Obviously, in like you know, um, in a way that's authentic to them, which kind of wraps back around to what I was saying about having you know a tapestry of people in um, in your um, in your organization to actually help those things happen. Um, the way that they ought to but i think um that's that's kind of a part of it i i think with classical music especially because a lot of it is taught in a way that is prescriptive um and like you're supposed to do this mm-hmm. and you're supposed to do this and this is the right way and the only way you know mm-hmm. um it it has a a really prominent culture of assimilation like you kind of mm-hmm. just supposed to that's just what you, you know, you're, you're not supposed to act like yourself or you're not supposed to bring um, yourself with you. Um, and I think that's, I mean, that's pretty much um, exactly what we're combating with like classic black and stuff like mm-hmm. that. But I think um, especially um, when we're talking about kids and in such a formative uh, part of their life, it's very important to have that, um, to have an environment if if they don't have it nowhere else that you can come in and it is um a place where you can bring that stuff with you you mm-hmm. can bring who you are and like explore that mm-hmm. and i think music is definitely um definitely um a canvas for like that exploratory behavior um that unfortunately i feel like um classical music has not been has not been that mm-hmm. for a lot of people mm-hmm. when it it could
0: be so we're gonna move on to Delaney's favorite part of this show. Tell the people how much you love this part of the show. They're waiting. It's it's the intermission. Okay. So um, <laughs> Delaney just hung up on that one little time where I asked you to sing on the mics. It was like one. It was like years ago. Anyway. Um. Okay. So I have some um. What would you do questions for Delaney and you know we're going to banter and talk about it but you know no pressure if you wanted to like you know come to the mic or something and tell us what you would do in the situation or stand up you know that would be cute but like no pressure okay um okay so here's the first one um you and your teaching team have come up with extensive plans to diversify your repertoire for the upcoming season or school year you bring them to the program director and they object. Uh, Maybe it's a little bit too different or it's too much work or et cetera. What would you do?
1: See, I want to explain a little bit about the dynamic of this podcast, because Katie is an educator. I was, for those that don't know, I was in yoga, so I am the student perspective. Um, And although I have taught, um, but um, we kind of have that, I don't know, that sort of back and forth. I mean,
0: This is hard because, like, you'll ch- you check on the line. <laughs> 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 Renters do right. it every first without fail,
1: right? Your check is on the line, so like, what do you and I think that's that's a whole other thing—the yeah. position that a lot of people are in. Um, but I don't know. I mean, it really depends on the amu- the amount of agency that you have mm-hmm. um, in your in your position, and I think that might be the first conversation. Yeah. Um, to be honest, um, because I think that. A lot of th- that's sort of kind of what I was touching on when I was talking about like the people that you hire. The whole point is to have p- different perspectives mm-hmm. in the room. So if you I know that there needs to be some sort of continuity, but um, to kind of emphasizing the fact that it's like, you know, you bring different different instructors with different identities, different ideas and to sort of to sort of change it up and to bring um to bring some variety mm-hmm. um, and some inclusivity to the program, and I think if I'm not gonna say that, never mind. Um, but it's an open space; it's a safe space. <laughs> anyway, um, but if your music director not down with that, it might be time to talk to the board. But I'm just playing. But I mean, that's <laughs> tea though. You know. But um, yeah, I mean, that's that's my thought about that. Mm. I don't know how you would deal with it.
0: It's hard because you know we're farming, so. You kind of just be like, okay, yeah, um, okay. So the first, okay, my first instinct was I'm just gonna do something on the low, like, <laughs> <on> the, <laughs> like, <laughs> like, like, you know, if I got my quartet, I'm be like, hey, we gonna play this low. We're gonna play this little hill, so you know, kind of like wear it up from the bottom, you mm-hmm. know, um, and then I'm not gonna hold you. I probably, I would definitely challenge it because I'm like, remember, remember, like, um, last year when you was posting that black square. And then I brought this oh, to you. Right. <laughs> you know, so you're gonna take you gonna delete the post. You know, that's probably what I would say, something like that. Um, and then also I probably will go to the board and also I will hop on LinkedIn. Not hop on LinkedIn. <laughs> <laughs> because I feel like that's I mean for me and for me and my work and, and my personal beliefs that's it's just not that would not be, yeah. That wouldn't be sustainable. Yeah, it's not really the environment I'm trying to be in. Yeah. Right.
1: Um but for this, for the sake of the the kiddos yeah I think the the uh
0: that's <laughs> name I mean this is, a, this is a separate topic but like it's something I've just learned along the way like having different teaching jobs like the kids are always gonna be great so mm. all right <laughs> let's move on I've never taught kids that weren't lit that weren't fun that weren't ready to learn I had some challenge but like they're gonna be always gonna be great they're kids you know okay <laughs> um anyone want to join in or move on no it's okay Okay. Yes, hand. Oh, this is exciting. Personally, hello. My name is Jedley. I'm with the Yale National Institute. And personally, if I went to my director and they were like, "We don't want diversity," I would leave. I would be out of there. Um, yesterday, during Patrice Cooler's talk, she talked about how, as artists, we should hold integrity um, within our work and how we should, um, when it comes to our missions as artists and what we want. And what change we want to bring about in the world, we have to have integrity within our job and how we use our art form. So, mm-hmm. I would definitely not want to be in that environment In that workspace.
3: Mm-hmm.
0: That's a really good answer. That's a really good answer. Shout out to you. Okay, uh, let's do let's do another one. Okay, which one do I want to do? Which the one that was? Okay, I like this one. Um, you have made all of these changes, so let's just say it was cool, right? Let's just say it was cool. Um, you've made all these changes, but there is one teacher who is not feeling the new program, the new the new curriculum, et cetera. They've been teaching for 15 plus years in this program and have always done things the way they've done them. What would you do in that situation? <laughs> <laughs> that one, Eve?
1: Hold on. I feel
0: like... I got an attitude.
1: Because I feel like... I feel like we've we've run into this... Oh, my gosh. We ran into this actually um, on the collegiate level. Because this happens all the time. Where, like, I was... So I sat on this committee. The last free thing I did for my alma mater. I sat on this committee. um, This diversity committee, whatever. Like, the third one I did. um, And... We were talking, of, we had all of these different subcommittees and one of them was about like curriculum, XYZ, and we had a teacher um, who who was on there and he was really into, um, I guess I'll just say, he was your teacher, it was Mr. Taylor. And he was really, really into like changing the curriculum specifically the chamber music curriculum. And so he went to the chamber music people um, and he was like, so we need to get some black composers in here. XYZ, and they were like, well, you know, we don't really have room for that in the curriculum. Like, this is the way we've done it because the the way that the string quartet seminar works is like you have Beethoven week, you have Haydn week, you have uh, the Greek quartet week, you have. We're doing Greek. Yeah. (laughs) All week? Right, for the Greek? a week for the Mozart quartets. You got a week, like all that, and he was like, "Well,
0: we we don't really have time for that." I'm gonna have to pull over awesome. the Greek. I'm sorry, I'm still hugging that. on. We giving him a whole week, right? The stare <laughs> week. <laughs> I'm sorry, I'm sorry. I'm, I'm listening. I'm go ahead, go ahead, <laughs> go ahead. <laughs> um, and
1: and it was like a prime example of being stuck in your ways because the person was like, "And yeah, like we don't really know." Like it was a quartet in residence, and they were like, well, we don't really know anything by black," or like we don't know what we would have them play, and Mr. Taylor. <laughs> quartet was like, well, why don't you pick something from the repertoire that the quartet plays? Like, because you sh- surely you your quartet that that's been together for 30 years plays black composers. Surely you haven't been, a, a <laughs> surely you're not on your fifth album, not a black composer. Like, and that's a, like a prime example of kind of being set in your ways. And of course I think happened beyond that, you know? Um, in terms of um in terms of their employment status. But um I think when you have people when you have people like that, I think first of all, if they don't respond to the fact that you've been teaching for fifteen plus years and you are an old dog and got no new tricks, then like that's kinda on you. Because I feel like um and especially I feel like especially something like that that can adapt so so quickly, like music, yeah. like I feel like um in other art forms, we've kind of seen like they have their like classics or whatever. But then they, like, you could do modern dance. Like they not not everybody, you know, doing jigs and and you know, like not everybody in <laughs> they jigs. B- <laughs> <laughs> I was trying to think of
0: something not really if you could have said
1: ballet. <laughs> I know, but I was like, what's well, <laughs> something older? Because they have these baroque dancers. I was like, what's well, something real old? But, like not everybody doing a beret, you know. So it's like, <laughs> 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 so it's like I feel. I feel like if if they don't respond to that, then I don't I don't really know what to tell you besides
0: LinkedIn. I mean, we're doing it anyway. I can't lie.
1: Yeah. yeah I'm doing it anyway. I mean i I try to
0: rope you in. Right. <laughs> copy you on the emails. You don't wanna do it. It's I mean, giving us a job
1: requirement. So Yeah,
0: I mean this, it's crazy because there's actually so many people who are so incredibly dense in this in this profession about about that kind of stuff. And people have their ways, like they know how they're gonna teach this, like even myself, like, you know, I'm gonna teach a dad song. I'm gonna teach, you know that's a dad song. The the uh I haven't talked about beginners in so long, since twenty nineteen. But you know what I mean. Like there's this, there's just a way to do things and I can respect that, but you can always mix up stuff and also like uh, yeah, I have attitude. I, baby girl, you took your your listening exams when they had to drop the needle on the on the, on the record and you had to write it down.
3: You know, like
0: <laughs> we could um Anyone that want to... <laughs> Not the record player. Okay. <laughs> that, that's what... My viola right. teacher is very young, and that's how they used to do it back in the right. day. Right.
1: You used to go listening to the an- exams when they had to usher you into the hall. And
0: <laughs> had to work at <laughs> I'm too like, my V L teacher from undergrad is very young, and she said they had a, a... A record player? Yep. And then they put... They just in the middle of the piece. First of all, I would have never got a music degree in the middle of the piece. <laughs> I mean, they did that, you spent low key and I made it by God's grace. Um, anyone want to um,
2: know? So, hi, my name is Estelle. I'm from New Jersey. Um, I'm part of the YNI, or the Youth National Institute. Um, and I think I have to say, for me personally, if somebody doesn't want to change their ways, I always try to convince them at least to try. Because um, I think that something for me is that, like, if you're just gonna keep going through a routine, if you're just gonna keep going through like the same steps over and over and over again, you're not going to learn. And I think that for me, it's like, when I'm like doing a piece or when I'm playing the oboe, it's like, I want to get through like different repertoire and I want to learn other repertoire for new composers because at the end, I'm a musician, but I'm also a student and I feel like everybody in this world is a student one way or another even if you're a teacher you're still learning even if you're like even if you're like 70 if you're 80 if you're 90 you're still learning more things about people about yourself and about interests and about people's interests so when you just say like oh but we've been keep doing this for 15 years like this is pretty good like of course you can say it's pretty good but it could be better. And I think that just taking the time and taking, like, just trying is something that I want to tell people and stress people. Because, like, honestly, um, if I didn't try to get into YOLA, if I didn't try to go to the National Festival for YOLA, and if I thought to myself, uh, you know, I'm doing, like, Luzerne like, I'm doing these camps, it's fine. Like, if I didn't try new things, I wouldn't be here right now. So that's something that I want to bring to other people. And if they don't want to like, if they just want to stagnate, then like, why are you in an educational setting? Like, hello, it's like, you're supposed to educate, you're supposed to learn yourself. So why are you in an educational setting if you don't want to learn? So that's what my answer is basically.
3: Let me go sit in the audience.
4: Right, right. I got something to learn. The (laughs) switch. Oh, Amari. Uh Oh. Um, My name is Amari from Tulsa, Oklahoma. Am I the project director or like program director? And this is a teacher who's great. Um, So, (laughs) yeah, I'm gonna have a, a conversation with this teacher about why they are refusing to change and then I'm gonna give them like some context about why why the change needs to happen. And then we're gonna set like a plan in motion about like what I'm expecting to see happen um, over a certain time period and then like there's gonna be some consequences. Chances are that the organization has some values and so if you're refusing to change then you're not meeting the values of the organization. Um, I run a nonprofit, and I had a board member who wasn't meeting the values And then after like conversations like, hey, you're not meeting the values of this organization. So unfortunately, you can no longer be part of this organization because you are not upholding the values. Um, And so 15 years is a long time to teach, but also if you're not helping this organization move forward and helping us to meet the expectations, helping us to live out our values, then you're not doing yourself any good and you're not doing this organization any good. And as my mom would say, you gotta get right or you get left.
1: Right. Period. (laughs) Um, My name's Danny. I'm also with YNI. I I just have a quick comment on tradition. It's not necessarily an answer to the question, um, but I just want to throw out a quote that I heard from a student. Uh, I don't know the student's name, but I heard it from a student. Uh, Tradition is just peer pressure from dead guys. (laughs) I just want to throw that out there people who talk about tradition and maintaining tradition, it's just peer pressure from people that are dead. You can switch things up. It's not that hard. It's really not that hard. It's
0: tea. Okay. <laughs>
3: Hi, my name's Diane. I'm from uh, Gary, Indiana. And I started including um, music of composers of color for my students several years back. And I think what You would hope that anybody in education was there for the benefit of the students. I think what we're missing so far in this conversation is the student voices. Um, When I said, hey, you guys, do you want to try this? This is what it is. We can play this music. We have to rearrange some because some of this is kind of hard for us, but whatever. I was very moved by my students of color telling me how much it meant to them to have that representation, to look at a picture of a composer and see somebody that looked like them and not like the old white lady in front of them. Um, and so that might be the way, you would hope that would be the way to convince other teachers or board members or whoever might be standing in the way of that change to say, listen to the voices of the students, let them tell you what this means to them to have that representation in their, in their program. Mm -hmm. (laughs) Well, wasn't
5: there a time when the composers that are now considered traditional were new? And what if nobody had let them be played?
0: Um, okay, so I had I had uh, more questions, but we're gonna move on for the sake of time. But we appreciate your participation because I know it could be a little nerve wracking. Um, okay, so we're gonna move on to um, the effects of some of these changes that you implement, and I think one of the one of the first ones. Um, that might that one might consider is the fact that it might be kind of lonely because change often can be like you might be one of the organizations that's doing this type of work, or you might be um, the only or there might be only school in your in your district that's doing this kind of work. You might be the only teacher in your program that's doing this in your studio, but I think it's holding on to the fact that like this is really important work, and um, we want to move the conversations forward. It just starts with like a little a little like a little something, you know what I'm saying? Like you don't have to do you just have to get it going, and i wanna preface i wanna preface that by saying that like classical music loves this whole like slow change thing, and it's really frustrating. and I understand you can't like inside a riot tomorrow just to get it all changed, but um, I think we can have like more forward moving progress um but yeah it, it it might be a little bit lonely, but it's know that you're doing good work, and um your students will be better for it, your program will be better for it, your community will be better for it, and um yeah.
1: Mm. I feel like one thing that I feel like a lot of people like overlook um, and it, it was touched on a couple, a couple of times from the audience, um, two things, um, actually two things. I said one thing, but you know, I can't count. So, Alright, so that was, was demonstrated point? earlier. What was the point? Anyway, um, uh, that's values and that's integrity. Mm-hmm. Um, and I think a lot of people, you know, the the amount of time that we spend reassessing our values um, as organizations might not be as often as it needs to be. And I feel like a lot of people's values are just there for decoration, Mm -hmm. you know, like, um, and not actually, you know, holding people accountable if they're not adhering to those values. Um, but I think, um, uh, what goes hand in hand with that and with authenticity, um, and integrity, like I said, um, those are things that sort of all together are, to me, uh, reason enough to make these to make these changes. Because you know, when we're talking about when we're talking about access to classical music, we're talking about educating um, students about classical music um, and just providing that that sort of space for them um, at large. It's really important that we stay true to those values. Mm-hmm. I feel like um, for just for the sake of um, staying true to the values of the organization in general, because I feel like, like you said last year, we saw a lot of black squares. We saw a lot of, we don't stand for racism and then go right back to standing for it. And it's like, I feel like we're not focusing in enough on the fact that in order to be truly authentic in, um, in your messaging, it's like, you, you can't just talk about it. You gotta be about mm-hmm. it. You know, like, um, that's one of my mom's very many sayings um when you're (laughs) in trouble um and and like you know um actions speak louder than words that one too um um and so i think that you know when we talk about all of these like we get really really caught up in like the nitty-gritty and that's necessary because you know like these programs have to function on an everyday um on an everyday basis but at the same time I feel like the larger picture is um is often lost in terms of are we creating an environment that is going to one um give the tools and the and provide the example for students to be able um, to operate in authenticity um, and in integrity and w- in everything that they do. Um, and that's something that, you know, it takes a long time to find that voice individually. So mm-hmm. it is really, really great to have some sort of institution that has, um, that kind of has that built in and kind of teaches you um, what is, what it kind of entails to, to, Formulate values and stick to them, mm-hmm. and not necessarily stick to them blindly, but also reevaluate them because yeah. that's something that's happened, you know, this um, this past year a lot, um, and that's something that I think, um, like I said, with us in, in classically black, I've had to do um, a bunch of times. Was kind of realizing that the fact that first time I heard a, a black composer um, played under the roof of my my alma mater was Arcadia's recital, and the next time I heard it was on my recital. <laughs> so mm-hmm. you know um it's kind of it 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 kind of that that was something I guess for me at least um that that sort of formulated okay these are kind of the things that I value in my education in, in my music making etc um and um it would I I had some of that but it it would be very, very nice to see more of that happening so that um more of the students that are going into these environments because even though I know that's not the purpose of mm-hmm. a lot of these organizations, it's not necessarily to crank out musicians to go to conservatory and audition for orchestras. that's the reality so many more students um are going into uh conservatories like and i mean it it's great that a lot of them are able to follow their dreams because I was telling Katie when I went to college and um when I went to college in twenty sixteen I not really tell my age. Anyway, uh, when I went to college in uh, in 2016, I believe I was the only uh, the only one from an El Sistema inspired program at at least at a conservatory studying music. And now I see so many more, Um, and I see also so much change in these programs that are allowing students to kind of tap into that sort of that that authentic voice before they get to that point mm-hmm. because college is just a doozy you know like it's mm-hmm. just it's it's a time in your life where you're like learning so much about yourself mm-hmm. so um, yeah I think that that is something that um, that a lot of um, organizations could really really do a better job of
0: And I mean like I've, I've, I remember talking to a, a professor at Eastman about this um, I did like the, you remember that paper that I wrote through the <laughs> anyway your master's thesis yes I do remember <laughs> that <laughs> <laughs> okay that wasn't my fault there was a miscommunication i had to write the whole thing in one night but you know we move and i'm here now
3: right um, degreed
0: so uh,
1: away i said degreed you anyway
0: and i was talking to them about like um it was on el sistema and like the values of el sistema and like why it was started in blase squase and he right. was and he was saying well you know like the goal of el sistema is not to create And I'm just like, girl, if I, (laughs) like, parents are dropping their kids off at something for 10, 12 hours a week. Like, if I had my kids. And I was taking them to ice skating lessons, 12 to 15 hours a week, and they don't come out looking like Michelle Kwan in two years. <laughs> I'm going to have something to ask about, you know what I'm saying? So it doesn't matter. Like, like And that, that goes into, like, the reevaluating your values thing. Like, all these things don't, you know, they can exist in tandem. You know what, yeah. what I'm saying? Like, you don't have to be like, well, if they can change the world and find the cure to COVID while playing – Piazzolla, <laughs> then we've done it. You know what I'm saying? Like, <laughs> it don't have to be like this thing. Like, it could be it, it, multiple things can be right at one time, mm-hmm. you know? Yeah.
1: <laughs> right. Yeah. I feel like we really get caught up in the either or. And actually, that's a, that's a tangent. I'm not even going to go on with the either or because classical music is very much. Very much. It's very much. Well, what about the quality if we have. But you only, only ask about the quality when black people and yeah. brown
0: people are involved? It's very.
1: Exactly. So, that that I feel like it's very important to be. Keep your eyes peeled for that mm-hmm. This dichotomous mm-hmm. anyway um and then lastly, I would say a really something that you can expect and something that's really important is being an example for other um organizations i mean um I feel like especially in I mean, classical music, the the classical music world is like, it is vast, but it's also very small, Mm -hmm. you know? Um, And there's so much, um, there's so much learning across, you know? Um, And like, this is literally an example of that. Um, um, So I feel like it's important to sort of operate in that, in that sense of being not only just like an example to look up to, but look across to, mm-hmm. because like you said, like a lot of the times we're talking about change, it's very like fragmented. It's very much like, um, they think like only this part needs to change. Yeah. And I feel like it's the the continuity of that. Like, I mean, some people have students from when they start to when they go off. Like I had one teacher from when I started first day I touched the base to when I went to mm-hmm. college, but, um, I feel like there's, um, not, enough attention paid to that continuity um and and I think that you know change although it is something that needs to happen a lot of people a lot of people are holding up for various reasons I mean that you know that could be fear that could be they don't want to which is usually that one yeah me, you know. but um, but part of it is fear and I feel like um when we are in positions to to actually make that change and and mm-hmm. to be the people that are um sort of Pushing that forward is really important to kind of stand in it, and I feel like that's something um, that we've done, especially as it pertains to how um, the the movement for Black people and Black musicians in, in our case, um, that's something that we've really we've really stood firm in class in in classically Black because people do ask us, you know, you gonna open it up to everyone, and it's like it's not classically everyone podcast. That's literally just you know, mm-hmm. like <laughs> that's that's just a podcast about classical music. Yeah. Like we are classically black for a reason, because like we we know uh, we have a very specific uh, mission, and 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 I feel like it has at least from what I've seen has made people sort of it has served as an example and made people kind of open their minds mm-hmm. because people would think like, oh, is it you know, you think you're limiting yourself. And I'm like, blackness is limitless. Like, there ain't nothing... There is nothing Mm -hmm. small about this, you know? And I feel like that's something a lot of people don't realize is how diverse diverse of a people we are. So Mm -hmm. I feel like... um, that is uh, just to give an example of what um of what being an example <laughs> mm-hmm. uh looks like um when it comes to unapologetically standing um in your values uh for your organization
0: but you know classical music organizations can't change because let me tell you there needs to be a study done on this who was the first orchestra to do a movie night we got to find that out because when i tell you the girls love a movie night they love a whole like half dim room I feel like that. Well, you can't even hear.
1: I feel like that was low-key kind of seamless though, because silent movies. I feel like it kind of like you know, because like the orchestra was already in the movie theater.
0: Yeah, but like who 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 did it first? That's why I'm because you know the RPO they do a movie night like every week. I guess it sells. (laughs) I guess it sells because people be there. So it's like if you if you approach like diversifying your organization to the movie night, gonna be everybody gonna do it because everybody does it. Mm -hmm. I'm being serious. I've never been to one. Doesn't look fun. Because, All why right. are we watching the movie in it with the lights on? Okay. Because <laughs> they gotta see the music. And then the screen be half because you can't have, because what, then the trombone's blocking it. You know what I'm saying? All right. And on that note, I feel like every time I make a good point, you just got something to say about it. I don't like that. Okay. And on I don't that like, note, I don't like that. We would love to take questions if there <laughs> are any. <laughs> All right, y'all. Well, this is Future, Katie and Delaney. We just wanted to hop in because if you're still with us, we are about to enter the little Q and A portion, and you can see the context of where we were. We were at a conference there. You know, we were giving it wasn't a presentation. We we're doing a live show, but you know, it was just like a different context. But there are some questions coming up that we could not. I want to say like we, I feel like Delaney and I are very authentic regard um mm-hmm. Yep. <laughs> my cousin hates when I say that but um anyway I have to remind myself it's not a real word I'm I'm trailing off regardless we are we are authentic but context sometimes kind of you know whatever so the first the first one that that caught me off guard I don't don't even know who it was they should have said it with their name high key but I just didn't like um I did not like the whole approach to having the audacity to correct black people in this space I feel like that's a lot of reasons why stuff doesn't get done. Was well, one question about something that did that happen before or after? Did that happen just now? Before or after what? When when that lady was like, um, that happened during the
1: intermission. Now that you say that,
0: yeah, I just realized.
1: Whatever. Which is, I mean, we should probably repeat it so that they know what we're talking about.
0: Something to the effect of like. I think what's missing from this conversation is X Y Z. Okay, so first of all, the intermission, like normally when we do it in a live show, goes longer, and we have to continue moving because there's literally someone in the back of the room begging you to keep the time. Mm-hmm. So, literally, one of the next, the, even though this is really doesn't, it really doesn't deserve any qualification. Does not need qualification. One of the next things we had for the intermission was going to be considering the student perspective about whether they like engaging in this type of repertoire or whatever whatever but just the audacity to say like oh I think what's missing from the conversation you are the one (laughs) you're you are the reason why we are having these conversations you cannot dictate what's missing from the conversation I think I've I've said this so many times that white people cannot fix this mess because they're the ones who caused it so to to you to look that really irritated me especially like and I'm a type of person I keep thinking about stuff after and wishing I said something in the moment because it's just like First of all, you entering the space and that you have no work to do. Why are you here? And then secondly, like the audacity to say you see two black women, young black women. And you're like, you know, actually what's missing from this actually, Miss Girl. What's missing is your silence,
1: (laughs) especially because like we literally you'll hear in the intermission. We had, I think by that time, three of the students in the Yellow National Institute were just like none of them are older than freshman year of college. At all. Um, all of them like most of them are in high school and I'm just like their voices they literally just spoke three of them in a row just spoke so if you would just listen when they open their mouth then you would hear that the youth voice is actually already in because that's what she said was missing yeah. she thought the youth the youth voice was missing um but yeah girl be quiet
0: <laughs> and then the second one okay this one's coming up you're gonna know exactly what it is and I don't know Delaney maybe we can talk off mic about how we could have how we can move forward handling that kind of thing because every time I see that kind of behavior I'm always I always gotta figure out like what to say because it always catches me off guard especially because we exist in a bubble so much it's just like every time I hear stuff like that I'm like what are y'all are you are you good but there's gonna be a mention of what Basically of like what black people should be accepting and how black people should be grateful. Black people don't have to be grateful for anything. And I, I think that's such an archaic view. It's also an incredibly damaging view mm-hmm. and it is not progressive or helpful to anything that we're trying to do. It's like, this ain't no Oliver Twist type junt where it's like, we could just, we just take whatever we get. You know, there are people who are actively fighting to make, you know classical music more equitable and this is like that's like the antithesis of that like i just that was ridiculous and it was also very awkward and someone came up to us after I'm like we heard what happened and, oh, okay. <laughs> and yeah like,
1: especially because we don't really get we don't get a ton of negative feedback about classically black um and especially even if we did i don't know i feel like it was just like I don't even know how to explain it, but like it was, it was awkward for a lot of reasons. Yeah. One, cause we were right. And two, because we knew that everybody like, it's just really awkward to be in a space, like a mixed space. And even if we're talking to, even as we're talking about this on the show, is still a mixed audience because yeah. not only black people listen to Classy Black, which is why we're kind of talking around it. Cause we don't want to bash somebody, a black person or whatever in front of, in front of a mixed crowd like i just think that there are some things there are some ideas that have been baked into black people for a long time that are going to take a mixture of being very upfront but also some sort of grace to undo Mm -hmm. and i just feel like that's not something that we really want to do in front of an audience so it's really like hard to navigate that but at the same time we didn't really receive that in this session because you have the only the only session in this entire conference that is explicitly um with with young black people at the forefront of it about blackness like unfiltered all of that and the very first question comes from a black person that's like telling us that we need to be more lenient about what black people should accept and more lenient about when white people are trying and whatever like so I feel like we, I mean we didn't really deserve we didn't really get that or receive that grace in terms of like oh we don't want to talk down or critique other black people in front of white people like that was what was done to us yeah which that was another reason why it made me kind of like oh, yeah you know because it was just like dang for real we just did this whole we were fun we were like laughing and stuff and then the very first question is from a black person is like i'm not saying that all black people gotta agree with us but it was just this mm -mm. i also feel like Mm -hmm. even the white people in the room was like so you know
0: yeah because like it's like i don't know like even like a a more simplified version of how it felt i remember one time (laughs) when i was younger um my mom you know that you know that okay you probably don't know there's a tiktok trend where like you like make up your your daily routine in front of your partner and like see if they notice i was like so every day like it's like you do like an influencer video and see if your partner reacts to it but the camera's facing them not facing you So every morning i wake up at 5 a.m and um i run three miles you know only in 10 minutes you know Got to keep it slim, and then you know, have a breakfast of kale juice, and you know, just like blatant lies. Meanwhile, you wake up at twelve, hot Cheetos <laughs> for breakfast, <laughs> like you know. Um. So I remember when when I was younger, like my mom was saying something, I, and I was like, "You don't do that." And so when I got home, <laughs> when I got home, she was like, "Katie, don't you ever, ever in your life?" I'm like, well you don't do that." She's like, "It don't matter. Like we're not like you. I'm over here telling people. I'm like, you need to be not lying." But she was telling some people something. And I'm sitting there, like, you know, eight years old, like, that doesn't happen? Like, you know, like, <laughs> all up in big people's conversation. Um, and that's kind of what it felt like on a, on a larger scale. It's like, if you have critiques for us, especially, like, in mixed company, I just feel like, I just expect black people in this climate, not in this climate, whatever, to you, it's kind of like a pull aside type thing. But even if you don't agree with us, you have to re- like, realize we were, we were right. You know what I'm saying? Like, it's blatant. Like, girl, I feel like people are used to organizations like sugarcoating stuff and, like, trying. Y'all are used to yeah. trying. So, it's like when we're, like, y'all not doing enough, it's like, wait, hold on. So the girls on, are trying.
1: What about, right, what about the pat on their back? Your thing with your mom reminded me of, something like that happened when, and I caught myself. This was a couple years ago when my my little brother, he goes to private school. There are like, three black people in his grade, including him two, three, two and a half. And there are, no, <laughs> seriously. I'm serious. But like, I mean, she's, black. I'm not saying she's not black. She is, but I'm just saying like in terms of where people are growing up, the household, the household is not an entirely black household. Mm. I don't, You got a, a melding of cultures. I don't even think her other half is white. But um, anyway, he, so he has a lot of white friends. And so I think he was kind of in that, like, I don't know, like, He knows he's different, but, like, just trying to whatever. And I think he was, like, about maybe 13 or four. I think he was about 14. And he had his friends sleeping over. And I came through. He had a do-rag on. I'm like, since when you start wearing a do- And then I was like. (laughs) (laughs) Right. (laughs) Because I was like, I could tell he just was, like, trying to. I don't even know what he was trying to. But he was a kid. Like, you know. But I was just like, you literally. I I literally have never seen you wear a (laughs) do-rag. Like, did you buy that for this?
0: (laughs) But okay, (laughs) at least you stop. My cousins, like especially, I'm not used to this kind of like beratement because I don't have siblings. So when Nadia and Allison team up, it's like, can y'all relax? Oh god, girl! I'm not used to that. You know, now you know I'm sensitive too. They when they go start going at it, it's like Katie is just the topic of bullying for the next hour and a half. You know what I'm saying? And i'm just not used to that kind of behavior and like they'll be like i'll be talking or whatever it's like nikki because like sometimes like it'll be me nikki Alison, and audio on, on a FaceTime call and i'll be talking katie don't do that katie never, since when you did that girl you ain't ever did that girl you know you did this well hold on stop lying you know and it's like i don't even be lying i just be like talking around stuff and they'll be like uh-uh you don't do that not at all like you know katie you know katie uh she'll be doing she don't be doing nothing but laying on tiktok she don't even be practicing when do you practice? It's not even true. <laughs> like, this on <laughs> my true. head. It's like, can you leave me alone? <laughs> but, um, yeah, that's how it kind of felt, but, like, in a less playful. Yeah, more of like in a, a more, like, dang. Yeah, more like an embarrassing way. And I was like, read the, ro- yeah.
1: Yeah, especially because it didn't start off that way. Like, oh, you had this in the first half, what? and then it took a left turn.
0: When, I'm talking about sharp left. You know how them streets be, like, on a diagonal? All right. That's how it was you you hear what we mean i'm talking about like whoa there yeah and it's it gave like uh it gave generational but it also gave just like blatant ignorance so because i try yeah. to give when we're having these conversations about like w- what black people are going to do about this field i try to give grace for people in different generations because the conversations that have have shifted they they and they are continuously shifting so i feel like the whole like being Issues being black and white, there's a lot of gray area. There's a lot of, and I hate black and white conversations with nuanced ideas. A lot of things are nuanced. A lot of things is not just clear cut. A lot of things are nuanced. I try to give grace, but it, grace runs out. I'm oh my God. Okay. <laughs> right. Grace <laughs> God runs still out. still working
3: on me. He's so. like,
0: God, Grace, try Jesus. His grace has not run out, but my grace <laughs> runs out. <And laughs> this is where, this is a prime example. Um, so yeah. That yeah. being said, you enjoyed this little interlude. Ooh. And you yeah, See y'all next week with a regular episode. We got right. Cause you know. I was playing. Well, I don't know. So.
1: All right. <laughs> um, we'll get back to the QA so y'all can hear the whole situation of what we were just talking about. And tell us what you think. Yeah. Alright, y'all.
0: No questions? No, somebody's Oh. A question. You know, I'm blind. I really can't see. I see these chairs right here though.
6: <laughs> Hi. Uh my name is Bert Mason. I'm the executive director of ovation concerts. Um I'm also on the YOLA National Faculty Um when they do the National Festival. Um trombone player. Um <laughs> <laughs> I just I just picked I just picked one. I just picked one. right.
0: You you said that his hand went right up. <laughs> I just picked one. That's it, that's it.
6: <laughs> so um well, I just had, I wanted to comment on a couple things um, um, from the educational standpoint. I did a seminar uh, yesterday um, here uh, called "The Untold Legacies of Black Composers," where it's really focused um, on the integrating the history books um, to include that. Right? Um, I think that's still a huge issue. Right? Where a lot of I see a lot of energy being put forward to performing the works, but not really studying exactly who these people are. So one of the main things I'm, I'm hoping will take off is every time we talk about Mozart, we talk about Joseph Bologna. If we talk about Gershwin, we talk about William Grant Still. There's a lot of parallels there. You know, if you talk about any of contemporary composers, you get the parallel um, of the black composers and composers of color that um, exist. I think that's very important. Um, getting this stuff in the actual textbooks is really key. There's a big identifying component that's, that's still lacking um as a black musician and i've performed um quite many places i'm hoping that as this change starts occurring that um black people can be a little more lenient um i'm referring to um the oblin conservatory where they did a black history month concert and the i think it was this past February if I'm not mistaken. And they got a lot of backlash, the faculty that did that because the poster um wasn't very, I guess, flattering in terms of what it was when they put black artistry. And I believe they left off the they put pictures of the performers versus the the composers. And you know, I think efforts like that don't necessarily need to be chastised the way it did. I think it's a big setback when There are performers that want to take this on themselves to do something, recognize these composers, and, you know, sort of treat it like a normal performance, quote unquote, right? Not every performance of uh, Beethoven, Moonlight Sonata has Beethoven on it as a picture. Um, So I just want to make sure that when people are taking efforts to include this music, whether it's highly publicized as all black music or it's side by side, which I think most of the composers, I think, that have put their works in, you know, want it to be considered a normal work, right? Not just being performed because it's a black composer. Um, so I just wanna make sure that that gets out there. And then, um, you know, being a black musician, you. We have to do things, performance, production, you know, it has to be, unfortunately, as good as as or better than, right? If you talk to um, Billy Hunter in the Met Opera, he'll tell you, he went through some things um, to maintain his position. Um, But, you know, I just wanna say that um, embrace the way people are trying to do the change. Um, Even sometimes it's not exactly the way uh, that we might see it happen. Because I think someone yesterday said um, sometimes people fear the change that they can't control. Kind of goes both ways sometimes.
0: You remember that Cleveland thing? I do, and it's so
1: funny, because I feel like I looked at that from a, a, a different perspective of that. Like I was, I feel like, you know what, it went around a lot because Kev on
0: stage posted Kev on it. stage and Lovey. I was like, well, hold on, welcome.
1: So Kev on stage is like, he's like an he, internet personality. There's a lot of, like, black gospel oh. stuff, like church, you know, mm-hmm. like church humor stuff yeah. like that. Um, so a lot of black people know him. And that's why it kind of went around. And Even more people, you know, who kind of didn't have the context were, like, in the comments, like, oh, what is this? And they didn't know Chevalier de St. George was, like, a black person. So they was like, what kind of name is Chevalier? And, like, all this stuff. <laughs> <laughs> so, like, uh, they didn't really have the context. But for for me, that was, like, I saw that poster and immediately understood, like, where people were coming from and that that was, a, like, another opportunity mm-hmm. to, to kind of put black people out there. And, like, mm-hmm. you were saying, like, putting... Um, like so that more people know um the the history like more people know the black composers that have passed um and so i i i hope that nobody was chastising the actual performers
0: who i'm sure had nothing to do with with the poster mm-hmm. to me that was like an optics thing and that's why it's like it, literally every facet like why would you do that you know what I'm saying? Like, why, who, why would you design that? Yeah, why, to why, me, to why me why that was the obvious thing. That was yeah. the marketing team. Like,
1: look, you needed to be pulled
0: aside, in my opinion. Be yanked aside. Because that was literally, like, people who were on classical and Twitter that I have never would have expected in my wildest days. Yeah, and I think that
1: that's, like, kind of just another thing of, like, how quickly that kind of stuck out to some people. With It just didn't occur to them. And, like, there's a reason for that. Mm-hmm. But, yeah.
4: Yeah, I just wanted to respond, like, real quickly, because if what the people are doing isn't, like, the right thing or, like, up to the standard. Because I pulled it up, and it's saying a celebration of black artistry, but all I see is white faces. And so I don't think that we have to lower our standard just because somebody is trying. I think that we can say, hey, like, I see you're doing this thing, but, like, didn't quite get there. Like, I think that this is a better way to achieve the goal I think that like it's okay for us to be like nah you didn't quite get it and then like you know help the people like we would do with the student you know if they're learning a piece and then like they play something and they miss a few notes we're not gonna be like oh yeah like you played everything perfect like no you're doing you're doing a good job but you still got some work to do so I don't think that like we necessarily just because white people are trying to do something that we have to yeah, lower our standards or change because they're trying I mean, to do something that they should have been doing years ago anyway.
5: Um, hi, I'm Don Norfleet. I'm a composer, musician, educator from Inglewood, yes. I fear you, me too. Inglewood. <laughs> uh, yeah, yeah. um, and uh, I'm one of the last of the dinosaurs that actually had music in public schools. And so you had like this, you know, all black, Orchestra, little kids um, playing, you know, violin and flute. That's where I started. Uh, yeah, public schools. And um, as an educator, I'm I, I want to know um, how to get more Black kids involved in instrumental music, um, be it classical or whatever. Um, when I was a kid, you know, we were just happy to play. It wasn't about, well, it's not culturally responsive, blah, blah, blah. It was an instrument, and it was like, fun. And it got us out of you know, class for a couple hours. Um, so so um, do you have any thoughts about that? And that, that's one. And uh, two is, um, I guess it's to address some of the, the, I think it is important, representation is important when it comes to classical music, um, that folks do need to know that black folks Wrote the stuff, so I think there's a way to do that, um, and I think you could do it. You know, when that happened, circumstances happened to me. I was leading a, a soul ensemble at a, uh, non-black institution. Let's just say, not a whole lot of black folks there, and um, so the school or the department was responsible for, um, for for the posters. And the first poster they put out um, by the publicity department showed the performers who were white, and I, you know, just said, "Hey, you know, I'd like to um, to to have something that kind of reflects what we're doing." So I made sure that, you know, I <laughs> checked over the, the posters uh, and the publicity, and so so it was, it was a subtle change. So so it can be done, so it's not, so so you still have the program, you get what you want, and you don't piss off the other <laughs> administrations. So.
0: I think the, it's hard getting some kids into music, because, okay, so I was on TikTok. I have a TikTok obsession and I'm proud of it. And um, that was, there's a creator on TikTok that does these like little things where he approaches people with headphones on and asks them like, like what are you listening to and so someone he approached was like oh i'm listening to trike six so in the comments i was like let me go to the comments um in the comments people were like what is it 1754 and i was like first of all <laughs> I was like, first of all that's not when the symphony was written so if you're gonna be cute i'd like, be cute and the second thing is that like people have like no idea what this world is and i think a lot of it is because it's so closed off um people don't know how to access it. It also seems like almost impermeable because of the way classical music just functions. Um, so I think, first of all, getting to, finding kids, I think that's the the first thing, like finding kids who like really want to gravitate a lot of I, I still have this belief that like I know it's I know it's very naive. But I have this belief that like a, the majority of parents, not all, but the majority of parents want the absolute best for their kids. So if you go to like a first grade room and you like, hey girl, like this is a violin, this is what it does. Oh look, you know I can play Meg the Stallion on this violin? Do you know I could play like, you know, this on this and invite them into the space and make it seem like it's something that's for them, you'll have more children gravitating for gravitating towards it. And there's gonna be some kids that like, you lose along the way because some parents do not want that sound in their um, in their house. Like they just don't want they don't want that. Um, still feel sometimes way towards my mom who did not sign the trumpet form. Girl, like why not?
3: <laughs> um,
0: but you know, some people just don't have that accessibility. But I think inviting kids into the conversation, especially kids who don't think this world, who don't know this world exists, and also don't think this world is for them. Um, I think that's how you can get more kids, and I know it's kind of like an arbitrary answer, and I know we could we could probably talk more, like, offline, but just, like, my experience um, teaching and just going into first grade classrooms and playing things and, like, having kids, like, be, like, mem- mesmerized and be like, you could play this, too, and I also think I have a slight bit of advantage. I've, I've taught, like, a, a wide variety of, of, of kids, but I think when I have, like, The most success like 50 first graders uh one year before the pandemic and it was i think me being black kind of helps because i was in rochester i was at a charter school like that kind of helped a little bit um seeing someone do it that they would not have seen you know they're inundated with yo-yo ma and um Joshua Bell and stuff like that. But like seeing me play some Bach for them or whatever. I also play like Old Town Roll because that was popping back then. It's like, oh, shoot, sure, I want to learn how to play Old Town Roll. I'm like, okay, we're going to play, um, we're going to do Statue of Liberty first. Um, <laughs> and then we'll get there, you know, um, just finding ways to bring them into the conversation and make sure that they know, um, at least at this point in class comes in, that they're welcome um, here. I think that's what I would say. Let's mm-hmm. take one more question because we... we
2: have- we got one more. Yeah. Hi. Oh, sorry. Hi. <laughs> um, so I think I kind of have the opposite problem of that question where my school and my district and my county, um, they don't have an emphasis of music. Um, in fact, we have a Performing Arts Academy. Uh, on the Performing Arts Academy logo, there's a piano. There is no <laughs> There is no music, actual music, program for me to go, and that's what I would have wanted to go into if it had that program. And it's something where the problem isn't for me, like, um, having the drive to go into music, but more like my school, my county, does not offer enough music for me. Um, And, like, the band program isn't exactly the greatest, and it's like, and it's like, I want to go into these things, but it's harder for me because I have to do all these extra things and I have to go to like New York to do my music programs there. So what's your advice on kind of trying to convince or trying to at least like lead um schools into saying like or lead school, lead administration into saying, this is important, I think this is important, we think this is important, and so many people think that music is important and it needs to be learned by children and by like people. Like, how would you kind of go about that? Because I want to like, I want to branch out and kind of like help my community and help like my band program, because we used to have a great band program, but it kind of like after a few years, like there isn't as many people kind of interested and like it's not as well funded as I'd like it to be. So like, what's your advice?
1: I wish I had a more creative solution because I was in a similar situation where my school, um, it just wasn't giving and I changed schools though. Um, but I also was in a similar situation (laughs) in college and it sucks that in a lot of these situations that like, there's kind of like this balance between like, we want more student voice, but also it's like, y'all are literally getting a salary to run this school in a way that that <laughs> serves students so it's like y'all should not have to be, you know, having to apply so much pressure. Um but I mean overall, I feel like I feel like there is if there's any opportunity for um you and maybe some like-minded students um to have um a space of your own whether that's forming a club whether that is um Creating some sort of some sort of example that there is a actual pocket of the student body that is that wants this, mm-hmm. and I'm sure that there is, um, because you know this is obviously something that that you've been thinking about. Um, I think that is something that is worthwhile uh, to show the administration at your school. Also, if you need to get your mama to come up there, I feel like that's also you know something that people listen to, you know. Mm-hmm. But I feel like um, in terms of like I. I I really am struggling to give that answer because I'm really an advocate of like, um, sort of demanding what the institutions that you are literally like paying into like for me it was college so I was like literally writing a check um, um, that you are paying into to actually serve you in a way that is is fair and and appropriate. Um, but in so in that case, I mean, I would say yeah i think having like-minded students and and having that community for yourself um unfortunately to get that on a more of a, sh- a short-term basis um s- sometimes that that onus kind of falls on on students themselves which mm-hmm. i don't
0: know i mean it's hard funding um boosters you got to talk to your booster club if you have that the unfortunate thing about band ain't no tv band like y'all are great is that band plays at the football games and the basketball games. So it's just just every orchestra high school student saga, you know. Um, But, yeah, boosters, like-minded students, talk to your parents. Um, Yeah, start from there. But I feel like we're going to yell that with signals. So this was riveting. Um, Yeah, thank you guys so (laughs) much. Thank you so much for uh, listening and joining us today. Yeah.